This Quiercast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. I'm Conrad. And I'm Matt. Each week, two optimistic Aussie blokes explore new (laughs) and challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber on our totally realistic quest to achieve world peace, maybe some personal enlightenment. Is that too much of an oversell? No, just roll the montage. Okay. I'm right and you're wrong. What are you talking about? Straight men enjoy gay sex. What? The Bible is extremely pro-abortion. You're a sexist man who loves Jordan Peterson. This is progressive? No, this is arson. Do you think that kick us out? I've done psychedelics 150 times in my life. Why the hell should I trust you now? Don't define me by what I do in bed. Oh my God. These ideas can be like membership key to a particular social group. So break free from your echo chamber each week on Ideas Digest, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's going to be an amazing time. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bible's got you tied in knots If you're burdened with religious thoughts Come grab a drink and join the choir It's Heretic Happy Hour Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. We are kicking off a brand new series. Shut up, Keith. Uh... (laughs) No, Keith, we love you. We love you, but um, you are not involved in this episode. We are interrupting your regularly scheduled program to bring you... Where's my drum roll? There it is. (laughs) I thought that drum roll was going to play forever. Um, We are interrupting to bring you a special episode with Shonda and December our newest hosts of the Heretic Happy Hour. And if you recall back in episode number, insert number here, I don't recall, um, (laughs) when Katie and Derek first came onto the show, uh, we had a special episode with them, getting to know them better, getting to know you. And we're going to do the same thing with Shonda and December. So introduce yourselves as if the listeners don't know you. And we're going to get to know you a little better today. I don't know who wants to go first. December's name is alphabetically first. Do you want to go first? (laughs) I guess I can go first. Well, this is December Rose. I am the author of the book, The Church Can Go to Hell, and also God Does Not Want to Build Money, and all other kind of books I'm planning to write that uh, make people mad, angry, inspired, and encouraged. Um, Please tell people the name of the book that you've got coming out this April. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, in addition to the church and go to hell, God does not want you to build money. I do have a book coming out called um, Bitches, Hoes, Tricks, and Queens, Why Every Woman Should Be All These Things. And so anyway, <laughs> I am very excited about that book. It's definitely not what you think. Just reclaiming the narrative around women and how women are and projected upon in our society. So I'm excited about that. In addition to all that, first and foremost, I am a mother of two wonderful children, Israel and Olivia. I am a former pastor. I pastored for about uh, 10 years and um, stepped away from that in 2020, right before I released my book, The Church and Go to Hell, because, you know, don't nobody want all them problems from these people. Ain't got time for the saints to be tripping with me about what I'm doing with my life. So anyways, I'm so excited to be now be part of the Heretic Happy Hour and I'm looking forward to great new things <laughs> with choir. Just love being part of the choir family and um, all the things to come. So glad to be free 
out here Woo-hoo! in my faith and in these streets. So thank you. Thank you. That's me, December Rose. So my name is Shonda Ja. I am super excited about December's uh, book uh, coming out in April. I am the author of the recently published Rebels, Despots, and Saints, The Ancestors Who Free Us and the Ancestors We Need to Free. Uh, It's kind of my love letter to community organizers and activists. And it's also my book intended to encourage people of faith to be bold in our actions and to know that we're supported by a whole bunch of ancestors who have our backs when we are working for justice. Uh, I was also a pastor for a number of years, but I didn't have to leave uh, to avoid their wrath. I dealt with their wrath while I was there instead. Just kidding. Uh, I mostly made them cranky because I kept changing things. So that was like traditional old school church stuff, not any major drama. It's just how churches often are. Um, December, I'm wondering if it, if I could ask, uh, can I ask you one of the questions we usually ask the heretic of the week? What is it that got you from where you started to where you are now? Oh, um, I, I would not, I'm not sure if I would have gotten here if it weren't for the experience I had as a pastor and minister, to be honest, if I had not had the crazy experience that I had as a pastor and minister, I'd probably still be in the same um, mindset, the same perspective in the same place where it concerns my faith. But I went through so much as a pastor. And this, this is, can probably be my next book, movie, miniseries, or something that Netflix could pick up. But <laughs> the second church that I pastored, I came in as an associate pastor underneath that pastor and that pastor who shall remain remain nameless (laughs) um had slept around with a lot of women in the church had his put his mistress at another church assisted set up his mistress at another church in a different city um got the treasurer pregnant um was (laughs) messing up the finances and all this kind of stuff um we ended up voting him out and i ended up getting voted in. And then also during that process, my husband at the time, who's now my ex-husband, um, um, took out two mortgages on the church property. Um, the oh my gosh. Was, was debt free, sitting on 20 something acres of land, very beautiful land, debt free. The property is worth almost a million dollars. And him and his business partner um, tried to convince me to use the church for collateral for projects they were doing it when I wouldn't agree we had to come before the board and it was literally me against my husband wow. um arguing in front of the church and then they went behind my back and did it anyway to the tune of about four hundred and something thousand dollars and I had to take the whole church down to the police department and we had to file a police report against him and his business partner then I filed for divorce because of that yeah and <laughs> listen um, I went through so much hell <laughs> and I seen so much craziness mm-hmm. happening in the church. And then I spent three, four, five years in litigation with my ex-husband and the ex-pastor because the pastor was seen as soon as he got voted out, he declared that none of the board members were members of the church and they couldn't vote him out. Wow. <laughs> so, yes. So then there was a legal battle for five years for him to unhand the church and to make sure that he could not come back because they kept breaking into the church and changing the locks on the church. That happened about 
four times oh where gosh. they broke in, changed the locks, locked us out. We had to call the police, come back, change the locks back. That happened like four times. Mm-hmm. And after when I went through all of that um, as a pastor and seeing all this craziness, and I had already seen a bunch of craziness sure. happening in the church because I also married um, a pastor um, early on, straight out of high school, 19 years old. I married my former pastor um, who had, and that's a whole nother story. If you want to hear about that, you can get my book, the church and go to hell. So he had been grooming me since I was 14, lost my virginity to him at 18, married Mm -hmm. him straight out of high school at 19. He was 36, almost 40. I was 19. Mm -hmm. And so I had already seen so much craziness going on in the church. And then I messed around and became a pastor. Lord, why, how, how did I, I was going to say, what made that seem like a good idea? I don't even know. I guess God thought that was a good idea. Maybe he thought I had something to say to the people. I well. don't know. But anyways, <laughs> I ended up pastoring. And what's so what's so crazy about it, though, is um, even though I have stepped away um, from pastoring, everyone that um, came that was in my first ministry and the second ministry still called me pastor. And I'm like, I ain't nobody's pastor. Well, you always going to be my pastor. And, you know, and they call me and it don't even matter. I'd be on Facebook, I've been YouTube, I've been cussing and carrying on, and they still be like, what's up, Pastor Rose? <laughs> so it's so yes. funny that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm authentically me right yeah. now, and um, I just release myself from the burden of having to be something I'm not, having to show up as somebody that I'm not, having to speak a word that I do not believe. And speaking of that, this morning, I was listening to, and I'm sorry, I'm getting on a rambling, but... <laughs> This morning, um, I had put on CC Winers. I love CC Winers, mm-hmm. and I was listening to some gospel. And you know, YouTube will throw in commercials in between yep. your stuff. And if you don't hit skip, they'll have a two or three hour commercial. Mm-hmm. Well, this this commercial was uh, uh, Pastor Jeremiah. What's the name? Jeremiah Wright. No, no, oh, not sorry. Jeremiah Wright. The white one. <laughs> oh, David Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, and he was talking about how you can't know God without the Bible. I was going to listen to him for a few minutes just to see what he was talking about. And then he got into, you can't know the heart and mind of God without the Bible. That he was going on. And I was thinking, uh, I said, now that's a lie. And I had <laughs> skipped and went back to my gospel. But I was thinking, this is the kind of stuff that I got away from. Yeah. How is it that you can't know God without the Bible, but the people who wrote the Bible didn't have the Bible to know God for themselves? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. Bible that we have, that we use, that we, you know, that we call the Bible, whatever, that we fashion our lives after, that people use for all these denominations, it didn't exist when the people who wrote it wrote it. Yep. So yep. how is it that they can know God and the heart and mind of God without it, but we can't? Yeah. I, I didn't, and I was like, let me, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of, that's the kind of bullshit yep. that, <laughs> that I'm, that I got away from. So that, you know, long story almost short, but not really is. Yeah. I, I seen so much shit mm-hmm. that I was like, I don't want to be a part of this shit. Yeah. I'm out. Yep. I'll holler at y'all. So I wrote a book called the church and go to hell. And then I walked out of the pool <laughs> and I ain't been back. Yeah. But interestingly enough, I have been invited to speak at places and still people want me to come and speak because they appreciate that authenticity. They yeah. appreciate that truth. Mm-hmm. They appreciate um, that honesty. Yeah. And I'm, I'm closer to God now than I have ever been hmm. than I ever was standing yeah. in that pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all the garbage <laughs> been stripped aside, right? 
That's right. I didn't shed all that and um, wait and release myself from that burden um, that God did not place on me anyhow. And that I don't believe he placed on any believer yeah. um, to be something that they're not or to be perfect. He didn't, we're not going to be perfect. Um, and anyone that preaches the gospel of perfection is preaching a gospel of bondage mm-hmm. and condemnation. Because when you can't when you can't meet that standard and you can't live on that level that they per- perpetrate and portray, because that's what it is, they be perpetrating because they lives be raggedy at the house too. Um, then you get into a place of guilt and condemnation. And so I, I want everybody to be free from that. Yeah. Like I am. Yeah. So anyway, that's what it is. But how'd you get over here where you at, ma'am? <laughs> Which, <laughs> where, how'd you get over here where you at? And you said you didn't have to leave the pulpit um, yeah. to grow into this place. So I'm assuming maybe the congregation is growing along with you or going along with you. So how is that going? Yeah, they were very good at humoring me anyhow. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, so I'm the product of an interfaith and interracial marriage, right? And so that meant I wasn't going to have a mother who would let me go to a church that was particularly fundamentalist, right? Um, so I grew up and I grew up just outside of Akron, Ohio. And, um, I loved Jesus like my best friend from the age of three. Uh, and in some ways that made me weird in my mainline, you know, United Church of Christ kind of business conservative, um, not particularly evangelical church. Right. So I ended up hanging out with a lot of evangelicals. Um, but it was still always an outsider's view, right? And uh, and part of why I could never find my home there, even though, and I'm I know this might make me anomalous. I really did. I and still do have this sense of uh, Jesus is very active in my life. Um, I also ended up as a result of that. The people who related to that were also people who thought that I was probably going to hell for not saving my father. My father was definitely going to hell, and so were all of my family in India who were Hindu, right? Um, so so I got enough of the, oh, they are not for me message early on that I never got sucked in fully in the way that I could have uh, under other circumstances. And so... My journey to where I am wasn't that large a leap. You know, I was in first grade when Gandhi came out, the movie, and my father took me to it, my mother and me to it. And in a world that was completely black and white, it was the first time I really got to see a narrative for people like me, for my people. You know, I had been to India. I had a reference point for it. Uh, I we obviously had a lot of family friends. And so in some ways, I think that that ended up being much more of a religious text than I give it credit for. And it means when we learned about uh, when we learned about Dr. King, when I was in, I don't know, sixth grade, they mentioned that he had been influenced by Gandhi. And I was like, oh, so those are my people. Fourth grade. Uh, So those are my folks then. Uh, Now I know where I fall in, you know, in this context. So. In many ways, my journey wasn't really one of I I haven't really had to deconstruct because my mother made sure I grew up in a church that was fairly inclusive, uh, not without problems, but fairly inclusive. I was raised by a mother who wasn't going to put up with 
me getting pulled too far to the right. Uh, she And she was very, you know, my mother's Scottish. She was very no-nonsense. And she's like, that is some foolishness. We are not going to put up with that in this house, right? Um, and in many ways, that meant that I got to encounter the Jesus who was radical, right? When I was 18, I saw a book on a, uh, a half-off counter at a bookstore that was called... Um, God of the Oppressed by James Cone. And I was like, oh, there are important people who think that Jesus cares about people on the margins. So like black liberation theology was my first theological reference point. It It's kind of, I feel a little guilty because I didn't have to deconstruct. I didn't have to undo a whole bunch of damage. I mean, all of us who live in this country have to undo the damage of the white supremacy that is in the air around us. Even if we're people of color, we all have to like decolonize in all sorts of ways. Uh, even the good liberal version of the gospel I got um, wasn't as radical as Jesus or the prophets were. But yeah, I got off easy in a lot of ways. Uh, and it meant that I got to do work for the Interfaith Alliance, which was working on religious liberties for religious minorities. It meant um, when I was going into ministry, I knew that I was going to be looking for a church that um, that was predominantly people of color. It meant that um, I was going to position myself to be really active around queer liberation work in the church, which I thought I was doing as an ally. I only realized I was queer about seven years ago. Um, so all of that, yeah, all of that means even when I came out, it was easy because I had spent most of my adult life in church spaces that were working for the full acceptance of queer and trans folks in the church. So I already had that network in place. Yeah, I feel I like I pressed so the easy amazing. button. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what's um, the most beautiful part of what you just said was you had a support system um, of first love over love over control. Yeah, you know, and it's a fine balance. A lot of parents they want to they want to control what their children believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they think it's love, right? Because they're like, I don't want you to go to hell, right? Right. But you had parents who encouraged you in your faith versus controlled you in your faith. And there's a big difference. Um, And I'm I'm trying to be that parent now to my children. Not not pastor, where I encourage them, you know, in in their faith. And one, one thing about that word deconstruction, I'm... I'm kind of falling out of love with that term Mm. um, just because I think, I think that it's narrow. I think that it's too narrow Mm -hmm. for what the actual process is. And it has so much negative connotation that comes with it, like preconceived notion of what people think that is. Right. And I'll give an example. I was listening to you speaking. You said that you had always been in ministries and in places that were, um, queer affirming and empowering and all that. And you, you only realized seven years ago, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. That you yourself were more than an ally yeah. to that community. I, I don't, I don't see that, that as you deconstructed your own self, you just grew into yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. grew into yourself. And I, I see this, uh, deconstruction, um, more as, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna not probably I'm probably gonna stop using that word as much as as much as I want to use the word I'm growing into me. Mm. I'm growing into me. Mm-hmm. I'm growing into what my idea of the of, of faith is. I'm growing into me. I'm growing into my idea of what God is. I'm yeah. growing into me. I'm growing into what I believe. I'm supposed to be in this earth. I'm going yeah. into me. I'm going into what my purpose is in the earth. And when you said, you know, I only realized seven years ago who I was, you were growing. You, it took all that time. I don't know how old you are. We ain't putting your age out here. Just y'all who <laughs> listening, just know that she looked fabulous, beautiful, gorgeous, and feisty. Okay. So it took however old you are. It took all that time yeah. to grow into you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, in my twenties, I was, I had a relationship with a woman and I put this in my book and um, I, you know, I'm honest enough to say that I enjoyed her mm-hmm. and I loved her. I still mm-hmm. love her. Yeah. Right. She's still a friend. Um, um, but the thing is, I, I prefer men. That's my preference. Sure. OK. But what I learned about myself is that I'm I'm just attracted to integrity, compassion, gentleness, authenticity, consideration, purpose, ambition. I, I'm attracted to characteristics and things. Yeah. I do have a preference for men, but I understand I'm growing into myself. Yeah. And I'm understanding that I'm attracted to character. Yeah. Not necessarily to gender. Yeah. And but I everyone has a preference. Oh sure. You understand what I'm saying? Everyone has a you know, even if someone says I, I'm I'm bi or I'm or I'm gay or I'm trans, everyone has a preference of what they what they prefer. Even men and women who are some people don't like that term cisgender or hetero or whatever the case, but even those people, they also have a preference. Mm-hmm. They might say, well, I don't like BBWs, but somebody else might say, I like BBWs, smother me, girl, sit on my face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every, everybody, everybody, everybody has a preference. And only, you know, Although I do think we can agree that anybody who doesn't like BBWs is missing out. I just think that's important no, to name. I mean, just because you have a preference doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese in that come in a little box. I'm like the bait with the with the roux with the cheese yes. and with the with the, the church lady with the big arms that jiggle yes. that I'm the, I'm the macaroni and cheese that she made. You it's, it's your lost boo. It's exactly. okay though. Everybody everybody can't live their best life and that's all right. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm 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 growing into myself, like that. right? And um, when I think about that word deconstruct, I'm like mm, I'm I think that. Yes, it fits, but I don't think it fits completely. Yeah. This is more, <clears throat> this is more growth than anything. Yeah. And like when you grow out of clothes, no one says, um, when, you know, when you have a newborn, I had two babies and they grow so fast. Yeah. Like you buy the newborn clothes and the, the number one diapers and then the number two and number, and they grow so fast. Some of the stuff, um, Ooh, thank you. Holy ghost. I used to say that when I was preaching, when I get something <laughs> in my spirit, you know, um, some of the stuff they grow out of before they can even get into it. So you yep. have people that buy baby clothes for you at your baby shower, and before your baby could get in, get a chance to wear it, they don't grow out of it. Yeah. And you don't, you don't never say, well, they deconstructed out of that outfit. No, they grew <laughs> out of that outfit. <laughs> it was bought for them. It was intended for them to wear, but they grew out of it. Yeah. And so I just, I, I there's just some things. I'm growing out of, and when you're growing out of something, you're growing into something. Yeah, I love that. I do think that there's something important about the unlearning that goes into it, like those moments where we're like, oh, but in some ways it is. It's more about an imagination breaking open. I mean, I think in some ways this was my relationship to queerness was even though I had shown up well, I think, uh, 
in solidarity. It took somebody else saying, you know, it doesn't have, well, it actually took a lot of people over the course of decades saying, you, you know, it doesn't have to be this way before I could be like open to considering that for myself. Right. Uh, and that's not true. I think a lot of people know it and are avoiding it. I think a lot of people know it and embrace it early. Um, I think for me, there was a lack of imagination. Um, ironically, for me, there was a lot of... Um, when I was involved in uh, LGBT inclusion work in the church, we had a lot of narrative around um, God doesn't make mistakes. God made people, you know, gay as well as straight, you can't condemn God's creation, right? Uh, and there was also a, if they had a choice, this wouldn't be the choice. So that's how you know God did this. And it's so weird because in some ways, the fact that I was that deeply involved in that part of the movement in the 90s in church spaces is part of why I couldn't imagine uh, that for myself. Because dudes were fine. I was able to hook up with dudes. They were fine. Uh, it was working. And that meant I must not be queer, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I knew bi people existed. I would later learn about pansexuality. Um, but I was so committed to a particular frame of liberation um, work that was being done in mainline church spaces that didn't include people like me. And so it took years before I realized that there, that that actually was me. And I tell you what, it's mm -hmm. been a huge gift because despite some bumpiness along the way, I don't think I would have found my current sweetheart uh, without having gone on that journey. So I feel super lucky. Uh, really, really sweet, really kind uh, Arab American trans man. There would have been no reason for us to meet because he doesn't date people who don't identify as queer uh, for a whole bunch of very good reasons. So yeah, yeah, I know that you've got some special love in your life that is also stretching, uh, well, not stretching anymore, but at one point would have stretched your theological imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I get to that, I just want to just say something. I love what you just said about you couldn't imagine yourself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't see yourself. And a lot of us can't see ourselves a certain way because of the lens we're looking through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was, um, and I'm going to talk about my bull here in just a second, yeah, yeah. but there's a scripture. Um, I don't remember where it's at right now. Uh, I'm out of practice with being in the word every day now that I don't pass anymore. But there's a scripture where a man who was blind and Christ is going to heal him. And he had put some spit in the thing and he made a sound. Now the scripture say this one was blind from birth. Mm -hmm. Right. And he told him to go, um, go wash in the Jordan, I think this is the one. I don't know if you remember this story. And he dipped down and it, it wasn't clear the first time when he came up. I don't know. I might be mixing up two stories. But anyways, he this one went and washed in the Jordan. And he went, he had to dip a couple times <laughs> before it got clear. And I just, um, I think about that when I think about what you said. Well, I couldn't mm -hmm. imagine myself there. And I wonder how many people are trapped in bondage in themselves. Yeah just because they can't imagine themselves as something else yeah. because of the lens that they're looking through. Yeah. The lens of whatever they've been programmed, whatever they've been taught, whatever they've been indoctrinated. And so they can't even see themselves free enough to be themselves. Which is right? why we got to keep talking about the stuff. We got to keep right. letting folks know what the possibilities are. I really think that that's actually 
if I've got an evangelical thread right now, that's it, is the gospel of liberation. Yeah. And letting people know that that's possible. Yes. Love and liberation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, where the spirit of the Lord is, uh, there should be liberty. But about my book. Okay. So he's Muslim, right? I'm, 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 I don't call myself a Christian, but in the general, for the purpose of this conversation, generally I'm Christian, mm-hmm. um, which means I, I just, I follow Christ. The only reason I don't call myself Christian anymore is because so many people who practice so many anti-Christ things call themselves Christian. Yep. And I don't want to be in that number. I don't want to be labored and put into that box with yep. those folks. So I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer in Christ. And I like to pattern myself after Christ, that's what we'll say. Um, and he is a Muslim. And there is a time in my life where that would have been unfathomable, yeah. right? Where they preach to you, um, do not be unequally yoked, is yeah. what they tell you. And all this other stuff. Come out from among them and be separate and this and that. And they already think the Muslims going to hell and everything. Yeah. The thing about Christians is that that it's, it's the audacity for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Christian, how are you going to have more audacity than Christ? <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? How you got, if you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you're going to find people, places, things where God showed up for folks that were not Jewish or any other thing that resembles Christianity. But for some reason, Christians have a hard time believing that God can do that, even though there's several examples of it all throughout the scripture. Mm-hmm. Even you mm-hmm. go back into the Old Testament, you deal with um, Rahab. Mm-hmm. Whoever knows what faith she was practicing. Yep. We know what lifestyle she was practicing. Yep. Okay. She was for these streets to get this bread. Okay. Yep. In the red light district. Okay. Yep. And so in, in the red light district of Jericho, you know what I'm saying? And so when they came up in there and, and, um, she said, look, I know, I know, I know y'all about to take over the city or whatever, but she made it, she negotiated she negotiated her freedom and the salvation, if you will, of her family. And whoever knows what they thought about her and her life, we can't. I can't imagine that they thought highly of her being in the profession she was in. Mm-hmm. But they was all all their lives got saved mm-hmm. because of her, the prostitute. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you don't see anything in the scripture where they said her a condition of her being saved. Since we want to talk about right. saved, and we talk about her literal life being saved. There was no condition on her accepting their God as her God. Mm-hmm. None. Right. And you if you go, if you go from the Old Testament all through the New Testament, you're gonna find um instances of that all throughout the scripture. Yeah. But for some church, for some reason, the church has a hard time mm-hmm. with that. And so coming up the way that I did, I, I was actually raised a Jehovah's Witness, which is That's very right. religious. And, <laughs> yeah, no birthday parties, is that right? No birthday, no Oof. Christmas, no Easter, no Halloween, no Thanksgiving, no nothing. I do not understand nothing. how they get converts. Like, there's no parties. <laughs> it really makes me sad. Yeah, what is? It's like the book with no pictures, right? Right. So <laughs> I don't even. I don't know. It was. It was hard. It was so hard coming up. You yeah. always trying to explain what you're. You know. <laughs> you always trying to explain to your friends why you can't do this and why you can't do it. I was so glad when my mother got out of that. You know what I'm saying? I was so glad. Um, and then I jumped out of the, what do they call that? All out of the frying pan into the fire, out of fire into the frying pan or whatever. Yep. That's <laughs> right. Back to church. That's right. Where I went over and lost my virginity to my pastor. So anyway, anyway, you. but if, if, um, if I had been 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 
this man would not have been an option. Yeah. Because I would have thought um, we're unequally yoked. Yeah. But now I understand, and this might be a little bit of religious talk, but I understand there's there's church and then there's kingdom. And by kingdom, mm. I mean people who have a heart, have the heart of the Lord. Yeah. Who love, who accept, um, who don't judge, who don't condemn, people whose arms and heart and minds are open. Mm-hmm. And um in that in that in that sense we are we have the same faith. And I'm, I just personally believe we serve the same God, we just serve him differently. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We we serve him differently, we worship him differently. But I, when we get into conversations about the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and all this kind of, he prays the Lord in his way and I praise the Lord in my yeah. way. And I, um, I receive him as the person who can cover me and love me as I need to be loved. And that doesn't have anything to do with religion yeah. at all, his or mine. Yeah. And, but it takes growing, it takes growing into yourself, <laughs> right. To get to that place you grow it into yourself to get to the place where you can love your, your, um, your, your, your life partner, your significant other, um, the person who is set aside specifically to cover you with love and to love them freely and to know, you know, if I, if, if you believe, and here's also another problem I have with most Christians or any religion that does this. If you believe that God is the author of life, then however that life shows up, you can't say that it's not God. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's what I what bothers me so much about Christianity. Just the other day I saw um I'm trying to think of what pastor posted it. Not the pastor. I think it was the bishop. Saint uh bishop uh who's the bishop of the Catholic Church right now? Is it Francis? Oh, the the Pope, yeah. Pope Francis. The Pope, rather. Mm-hmm. The Pope, the Pope. Said that I something to the nature of um, homosexuality itself, it, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a crime, but it is a sin or something. I don't know if you saw that. That was posted somewhere. And I was thinking, he's good. He's said, having he to said, do a lot of gymnastics because we know where he actually <laughs> falls and what the constraints yeah. of the church are on him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this man is queer himself with all the stuff that he trying you know, I ain't trying to project nothing on the brother, but I wouldn't be, because what I'm finding out is the people who have to twist themselves into the biggest yeah. pretzel about this matter usually, in my experience, are struggling the most. Yep. And they, and with it, and I ain't saying that the Pope is queer or nothing like that before somebody hear this and try to send me to hell. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I, I believe that he knows the truth. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. he's trying to figure out how to straddle the fence between yep. the orthodoxy and the truth. Yep. I am inclined to believe and that. It's such a high, yeah, I believe he knows the truth. Yeah. The, the truth is God created everyone that's existing in the earth as they are. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And God accepts them as they are. Yeah. <laughs> and the church needs to do it too and get out of. And another thing that, um, and I don't know, you know, while well, we spending so much time on this, but I'm, I'm assuming somebody on the end of this needs to hear this. The other thing that society tends to do and not just the church is to sexualize. Yes. Um, the queerness and it's all about sex. Yes. It, it's all about it. That's all it's about. Right. And that's how they all try to put it in a parallel with a uh, pedophilia or something like that. Right. Cause it's all, it's all. <laughs> and then, yes, I do. <laughs> and then another thing, these motherfuckers, anyway, <laughs> so they, 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 they hypersexualize 
it, it's all even down to the kids, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to keep from the gender from. Oh, that's right. They're they, kind of like, yeah, gay yeah. people shouldn't be around children because, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. And yet, ninety percent or whatever of pedophiles and people that um, sexually abuse, rape, and assault are identify as heterosexual, yep. even if it, they do it against the same sex, because yep. it's not even about that. No. It's really about control yep. and dominance. Yep. And so the whole conversation about it is just so skewed and so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, the the notion that queerness is just about sex, as if heterosexuality isn't about sex at all. Um, although I will say the sex is better. Uh, queer sex is better. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Just taking my stand. No, no comment. I'm, I'm going to get married. You ain't finna even That's right. I, happy home. Honey. It's okay. We all resign <laughs> ourselves to certain things. Look, I done taught my man, okay? I'm teaching him how to make it work. How he gonna, we going we gonna to do what to make it do. Uh, that's what but you got to do. You going to make it happen. Look, if you love somebody, you'll learn. You, if, you love, if you really love somebody, you'll learn how to love them. Yes. That is 100% true. That okay. is 100%. Whether heterosexual, queer, however you, yep. whatever you identify, yep. okay, if you love somebody, you're going to learn how to love them. Yeah. Because you're going to bother, you, you're going to want to be the one that makes sure that they're satisfied sexually yeah. and otherwise. That's exactly right. Right? Mm-hmm. I love that. So, so I'm, I'm going to leave that comment right there where it's at. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to just say this. I enjoyed my woman when I was with the woman. Right. And I'm enjoying my husband while I'm with him too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know what? Love is love. Yeah. Love is love. Yeah. And it's so much deeper than, like I said, I've realized about myself. And this is probably the most honest conversation I've had about it um, mm. ever, really. Yeah. <laughs> but I've realized about myself that I'm attracted to character. Yes. Not necessarily gender. Yep. Right? Yep. I'm attracted to character. Now, I will be honest and say this. Sometimes I do be seeing a thick woman. I be like, damn. Yep. Look at that. Mess. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that I'm trying to, that don't, that don't mean I want to jump on it. I'm just, I just appreciate nice things. Can we just have nice things? I remember there was, I was, when I was at the Interface Alliance. I and be like, damn. You know what I'm saying? So I just appreciate nice things. No, I okay? think that that's right. When, when I was at the Interfaith Alliance, there was a rabbi on the board and we were talking about how, we wanted to meet with this Buddhist scholar. And I said, you know, he's actually the father of Uma Thurman. And the rabbi was like, oh, Uma Thurman. And I was like, rabbi, you're married. And he's like, just because I am on a diet does not mean I can't look at the menu. Uh, and that has stuck with me ever since. <laughs> See, there you go. You can, you can appreciate nice stuff. Okay. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, honey. But yes, yes you can appreciate nice things. <laughs> Um, what is what does life look like for you going forward? Yeah, faith, family, uh, the practice of your faith. How do you see yourself evolving from here? You know, it's interesting because I I was running a nonprofit. I helped found and was the executive director of a nonprofit that my church repurposed their building for. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was my that was kind of my life's work. It was intended to be kind of my contribution to Oakland from my vantage point. Cause I do have kind of this orientation towards um, we need to, we need to invest ourselves in our communities. Our purpose in life is to uh, create healing, healthy community. So I did that for a long time. And then after George Floyd was murdered, a friend of mine pulled me aside and she was like, listen, You've been doing anti-racism work as a side hustle for decades. We need you to stop messing around with the Oakland Peace Center and do what you're actually good at, 
which is, mm-hmm. you know, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, anti-oppression consulting. Um, and, and her point was all of the black DEI consultants were stretched so thin in the wake of George Floyd's murder. And all of these organizations were like, oh shit, we got to do something about race. Uh, and she was like, mm-hmm. I need other people to recommend to them who know how to navigate this and know how to navigate power dynamics. Cause a lot of DEI is just like making white people feel good about themselves. Um, but we, if we're like looking for actual systemic change, there needs to be more power analysis. That's what I do. So that's my work these days. And to me, that is ministry. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and I really find it meaningful. I really find it fulfilling. I'm really lucky that I get to do work that I love. Um, I'm hoping to chase a rabbit next year, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that too much until a couple of things have gotten in line. How about you? What are what are you up to? Do you see what you do now as ministry or uh, is ministry no longer the goal? That's a good question. I do. I do. And a lot of, uh, I, I get a lot of good feedback too. Even when I'm on you in Facebook or something cutting up (laughs) somebody would jump in my inbox and say, thank you for sharing that word today or whatever the case is. And my intention wasn't even to quote preach, um, just keep it real, just to encourage people, just to empower people. So yeah, I do. I, although I don't call myself a minister or a pastor, I don't have any titles right now. And I try not to use any, and there's nothing wrong with them. I just come from a place where they were so misused and so misappropriated and abused that now I don't want to, you know, be called any kind of title like that. But a lot of people see, still see me as that and so recognize me as that, and that's okay. But I do I do consider it ministry. I think any time that you walking in the fullness of you, like you said, the people said, come on, come on yeah. over here, girl, and quit playing. Yeah. Quit playing and come on over here and do this good work. Yep. <laughs> do this good community work. Don't you know? play small. So anytime. That's right. Don't play small. Don't minimize yourself. You don't have to shrink into the corner to make other people feel comfortable. Um, so anytime, anytime you're walking in the fullness of you, I think that's ministry, mm. right? Yeah. Anytime you are, I think of, um, what's his name? Oh my goodness. I think his last name is Porter. He's on the show. Uh, the, what is that show? <laughs> Lord is good. It's Pose. Is it Pose? Oh yeah. Billy. Billy. Yeah. Billy Porter. Yeah. I look at him and I looked at the evolution of him and I'm so inspired by him, mm-hmm. by his journey. Um, and he comes from a religious household too, yeah. raised up very religious. I'm just so, ins- it's amazing what you're inspired by when your mind is open to everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm so inspired by him. And when you, and I consider, he probably would never think that what he considered, what he does is considered ministry either. But when, or even um, the beautiful, what's her name? She she played in Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly uh, who you're talking about. The name is skipping my mm-hmm. mind. I can't, my, my brain is short-circuiting on names today. But you know what I'm talking about. My boo She's actually has a Barbie that is a tribute to her. It's pretty, he was like, I felt an obligation to support trans representation in the Mattel industry. Uh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they probably would not consider what they do ministry. But anytime you're walking in the fullness of yourself, anytime you are walking unapologetically in your purpose and in your person, you're doing ministry. Yeah. Because there's somebody, ministry just means service. I know we attribute that word to the church, but ministry just means service. That's why in other countries you have, yes, Laverne Cox, Laverne Cox. 
That's why we have um, people in other countries and foreign governments, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, mm-hmm. the Ministry of Transportation, mm-hmm. the Ministry of Justice. It just means service. Yeah. So anytime you're walking in the fullness of yourself and unapologetically in the person and purpose of who you are, you do a ministry. Yeah. You're doing service because somebody's on the other side of that that needs to know that they can do it too. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's on the other side of that that need that sees Shonda and know I don't have to choose between um, my preference in people mm-hmm. and my preference in purpose. Right. I don't have to say either it's the ministry or my man mm-hmm. or it's the ministry and my woman mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. they claim to be. Right. I don't have to be between the both. I could do, I could be a pastor and I could do this too, you know, because this is who I am. God knows me. God made me and God gave me purpose yeah. right here. You know? So I think anytime you're walking in purpose fully as your authentic self, you are doing ministry, the gospel of truth. That's what you're doing. The gospel of love, truth, and liberty. That's what you're doing. Right? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I am really glad we get to be on this journey together. I see what you're doing on this show as ministry. So I'm really glad I get to be part of that ministry with you. One of my big passions in social justice work and in racial justice work in particular is carving out space for joy. Um, I feel like oh, I'm in a lot of multicultural spaces where... The energy of the white folks is, we've got to do this because it's the right thing. Um, and there's this mm. sense of burden that goes with it that I'm like, mm. y'all are are absolutely doing the right thing and you're sucking all the air out of the room in the process. I want to create a little <laughs> bit more space for joy and playfulness because that's actually the payoff to me of the justice yeah. work is, um, is the play, is the fun, is the alleviation of burden is the getting to be who we are and not worrying about the consequences. Um, And so I love that I experience in you a lot of bringing joy into stuff that really matters. And I think we need more of that. So I'm really grateful for it. That's wonderful. Same to you. And I know our listeners can't really see, but when you see, I don't know if you go by her, Mm -hmm. when you, when you see, when you see them, yeah, is that right? That's right. Because I got to get it right. You did. When you see them and they smile, it's going to make you smile. Aww. And I think people who walk in their own joy, yeah. you know, can't help but bring joy to other people. I like to just think that when I say these motherfuckers, <laughs> that it just sparks joy. Yes. It sparked joy. Like, what's the name say? It sparked joy in somebody's soul. My soul cries out, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Pray. You better pray. I just think, you know what I'm saying? And I just don't think God gave us these words and so we can't not enjoy right. this. You know right. what I'm thinking? And when you and when you say uh fuck exclusion or, or whatever the case, I just believe yeah. that somebody's spirit is ignited with the joy of the Lord. I just I believe agree it. agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's blessing somebody's yeah. soul to know that even God would be sitting on high, looking down low, talking about these motherfuckers. Yeah. I just believe that the angels be around. And God, like, you see, the, you have to watch Kevin Hart, and he has that part where he said, "Will somebody look at this? Look at will somebody look." I just believe that. I believe that that's happening <laughs> somewhere in the spirit. I believe that that's happening. I am convinced <laughs> that one of God's most frequent phrases is, "You got to be fucking kidding me." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> with, with, with the palm face yes. emoji, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> look at these folks look, and they doing it in my name yes. they doing they put my name on that shit too did you see they put my name on it yes 
<laughs> they also, most of them well, seem they- to think I'm a man. What do they not understand yeah. about Genesis one? Yeah. <laughs> Look, what, they, what, they, what, the, what do they not understand about us? Right. Exactly. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> God is too big. You know, one thing I'm learning and that I'm growing into is that God is too big. Yes. Right. He's too big for gender. Yep. He's too big for religion. That's why it's all about faith. Mm-hmm. You never seen in the Bible that them that, that have, it says now faith is the substance mm-hmm. of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It didn't say now Christianity, right. now Hinduism, now Buddhism, however your faith um, manifest, yep. okay, whatever you do. Yep. But it didn't say now religion, it said now faith. Right. And faith is so much bigger than religion, right? Yeah. And God is so much bigger yep. than that. He's bigger than gender and he's okay. bigger than this. And this, how, another reason how you know he's so much bigger, how many religions have said God was coming, Jesus was coming back by now? Right. When he's supposed to come back in 2012, 1944, 18, yep. that's how you know he's bigger. Every time I think he got. I think he got an administrative department up there that's keeping track of when people say it's coming back. I was like, "What date did we say?" Oh, move the date because somebody that thought yep. they knew. You know, <laughs> I personally believe. Um, I now am disabusing myself of the gospel of the, the what do you call that? The rapture gospel, whatever you call that. I believe that every time somebody is born into the earth, Christ is walking in the mm-hmm. earth again um, through those that He creates, and every time somebody is serving with love every time somebody is feeding the poor every time somebody is housing the homeless every time somebody is uh encouraging or empowering a yep. child or walking in a purpose like you Shonda doing the DEI work every time that somebody is walking fully in themselves Christ is walking yeah. in the earth yeah. and he returns again and again and again every day yep. that somebody is doing that I think it- so I have disabused myself of that whole rapture gospel yeah no I'm <laughs> with you I think it's Teresa of Lizu it might be a different Teresa there's a few of them uh who says Christ has no hands on earth but ours uh no feet to mm-hmm. walk this earth but ours um and I That's really right. really love that idea of um of that's I mean that's the call that's the expectation that's the responsibility um and for me that's a that's a god of liberation it's a god of love and so anytime we're doing that uh we're doing we're doing gospel work so do you know what I really loved about this episode uh in addition just to hanging out with you is I got to listen to the um the Valentine Day episode when uh, Derek and Katie took over and they had to forcibly kidnap was wait, was it Keith that they had to kidnap or was it you, Matt? Keith, Keith was locked in a trunk, allegedly. That's right. You were just sitting in the corner reading books, so you weren't bothering them. I remember now. So I like the fact that this episode did not involve any kidnapping. How do you feel about that, Matt? Well, there was also a rumor that we were at a nudist colony and I can't remember why or how that rumor started but i'll just leave it i'll just leave it for y'all to you know wonder well and this is why we don't do video that's, podcasts that's right. because that's right. then people would find out we record all of these episodes from a nudist colony people have said hey Look, bucket naked people have asked for us to put In this on boom. youtube and i'm like ah, i don't know if we want to do that I don't, don't know if you're know. ready i don't know if y'all ready for that <laughs> no y'all ain't ready look titties swinging and things jangling everywhere no, I, I almost died yesterday. Do you know that? I Stop almost it. died yesterday. I did. Why? My life almost stopped when the wire in my bra tried to stab oh, me. Oh, yes. 
No, they are murderous <laughs> weapons. They absolutely are. I but, do not understand why after the pan in this point in the pandemic, you have not figured out we are done with underwires. Yeah, they need look. It's not of God. It ain't no <laughs> exactly. anointing. It ain't no Jesus on it. It ain't no. It oil is a tool of the devil, you know and we should rebuke it. So <laughs> we should rebuke it and exercise it. I'm gonna exercise all my bras. So, I'm gonna get them all and pour some anointing oil on them, and then cut the wires out. I feel sad that we don't get to have a. <laughs> an episode that is cleverly entitled Valentine day or something like that. I want to try something and see what, what, what lands for you. So my middle name is Ronnie. It means queen. What if this were the queen rose episode? Look, look, or look, we could call it the Ronnie and Rose. Oh, I like that. My middle name is Rose. Yes. So Ronnie and Rose. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. Well, now that we have a title, I feel like we can wrap this up. (laughs) Yes, yes. Like, thank y'all for tuning in to Ronnie and Rose on the Heretic Happy Hour. We hope you have enjoyed um, this variety of show of truth, justice, joy, and intentionality. So, look, I love you, girl. Oh, I love you. Okay, I gotta be careful. Gotta be Call careful. me friend. No, I don't. Friend is my favorite gender neutral term. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. I love you, friend. Thank uh, you I love for you too. Who you are. We should probably Being mention. Open. We should probably mention that uh, that we have a fabulous website. That uh, you yeah. should definitely join our Heretic After Hours Facebook group because there's lots of fun stuff happening over there. Um, that you are missing out if you're not contributing to our Patreon account because there's always some good additional content. And what's the one I always do? Oh, yeah. It makes such a difference if you rate and review us because uh, we love. (laughs) I know the irony, right? Um, I because it it helps us connect with folks who this this stuff might serve. I think I hit all of them. Anything else we should wrap up with? No, look, you got it. We need to give you the um, hit hit every check every box award um, on the Ronnie and Rose show. I love it. And buy all of December's books, you. if only for the title. <laughs> if only for the title. It, just for the title, as a matter of fact. <laughs> they are good <laughs> titles. I love your book titles. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what the next one's going to come out. Something that's going to scorch somebody's eyebrows off and make them block me on Facebook. I love it.